My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. another day as we continue through the wonderful book of Esther this amazing story I love this story and we are going to pick up today in Esther chapter 7 and uh, we have this remarkable 24-hour period where the king has realized that he's never honored Mordecai for saving his life so he asks Haman how to honour somebody that you want to honour. Haman assumes he's talking about him, so he comes up with this grand plan. And the king says, great plan, Haman. I want you to do all that for Mordecai the Jew. And Haman's like, oh, he's the guy I want you to kill. And uh, all of Haman's friends and his wife, they all start to desert him when they realise that uh, he he's on the losing side. So Esther has invited the king and Haman to two banquets. First one. The first night, he said, King said, what do you want? She said, I want you to come back in 24 hours time. Why? Because God had a plan in that 24 hours. Now that 24 hours has played out. Now the second banquet's about to happen. So the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther. And on the second day at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, what is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Up to half the kingdom, it shall be done. Then Queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favour in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed and to be annihilated. Had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. Finally, Esther is making her request to the king, but she still shows incredible restraint and tact. She doesn't immediately identify herself as a Jew who is targeted for being killed alongside all the people because Haman had hid the identity of the Jewish people in his decree when he asked Ahasuerus for it. So she frames her request. She appeals on a personal basis. She says, hey, uh, I would like you to give me my life, my people and mine. And you can just imagine the king being just totally puzzled at listening to her. I don't, I don't know what, what are you talking about? So King Ahasuerus answered and said to Queen Esther, who is he? Where is he? Who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? In other words, to kill his queen, and all her people. Azarus probably should have known that it was actually him who had decreed it. He was the one that gave Haman the authorization to carry out this horrible plan. Remember, that it was in 11 months' time. It had been set into motion. Couldn't change it. Uh, Esther says to him, he says, who is he? Who's the person that would presume to do such a thing? Esther says, the adversary and the enemy is this wicked Haman. Remember, there's only the three of them at the banquet. And Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. I bet he was. 
Because Esther here has the truth exposed in front of the king. He was not a faithful servant of the king. He wanted to kill the king's wife, his queen. He was an adversary. He was an enemy of the king. He was more interested in his own fame and status than he was of taking care of King Ahasuerus. Haman never imagined that Esther was a Jew. He didn't know. Now he stands before the king and he's accused of plotting the murder of the king's wife and there's only the three of them in the room. Can you imagine? Like if this was a Hollywood movie, it would have been like zoom in focus on his face with like dramatic music. See, the wisdom of Esther's request here starts to play out. We see it. And it maximizes the impact on the king in this moment. And you can imagine how mad the king is. So let's read verse 7. Then the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went into the palace garden. But Haman stood before Queen Esther pleading for his life. Yeah, now he's become a wuss. For he saw, that's a Bible word, by the way. Uh, for he saw that evil was determined against him by the king. And when the king returned from the palace garden to the place of the banquet of wine, Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. And the king said, will he also assault the queen while I'm in the house? And as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. I mean, he's literally, she's on a couch. He's lying on a lap going, please save me, please. King was so angry. I think he was angry because he realized he'd kind of been played for the fool by Haman in signing the decree to kill the Jewish people. And... Haman's pleading for his life got him into further trouble with the king. The king's like, I walk out of the room for one second and now you're throwing yourself all over my wife. It's one minute you want to kill her, now you're throwing yourself all over her. This is not, you're not helping yourself here. So they covered Haman's face. Why did they do that? Because everybody knew Haman's going down. You only cover somebody's face when you're preparing them for execution. Verse 9, now Harbona, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, Oh, look, look, the gallows, 50 cubits high, so big you can't miss them. Which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on the king's behalf, is standing at the house of Haman. And the king said, hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai and the king's wrath subsided. Now, remember, Haman is not, hung on a gallows. He was impaled on a huge spike, 75 feet high. His body was placed on it with his legs and it was pulled down right through his innards, coming out his neck, and he was left there to die in excruciating pain, exactly what he had planned for Mordecai. You know, Psalmist David wrote about things like this many, many times. Uh, in Psalm 7, Behold, the wicked brings forth iniquity. Yes, he conceives trouble and he brings forth falsehood. He made a pit and dug it out and has fallen into the ditch which he made. His trouble shall return upon his own head and his violent dealing shall come down on his own crown. Think about 
the devil with Jesus. Satan thought he had won watching Jesus die on a cross and not come down off it. And when he took his last breath, Satan thought he'd won. But the cross turned out to be the very thing that Jesus defeated the enemy with because he conquered sin and death. It was interesting to see in this story that Haman, who really was the guilty one all along, ends up dying on the stake instead of the innocent Mordecai whom Haman intended to execute. But interestingly enough, in the case of Jesus, it was the innocent who died on the cross in place of the guilty, you and me. We actually deserve to be on that cross. Jesus was on it for us. And he took on your sin and my sin. And he died for you and for me. Even though he didn't deserve any of it. And I love how the story of Jesus is woven through the book of Esther. To allow us to understand in a deeper way, in a more meaningful way, what Jesus did for you and for me. And I can only imagine how embarrassing it was for Haman to die at the hands of the method of execution that he built for Mordecai. And I think about the shame and embarrassment that Jesus would have had to have gone through on the cross. Publicly humiliated, stripped, beaten, whipped, flogged, nailed to a cross, sword shoved into his side. Oh man, so many horrible things. But he did it for you and for me. It's amazing, isn't it? So there you go. My observation uh, for this particular chapter is just, again, the reminder of the story of Jesus woven throughout the Old Testament. So many people think that that the story of Jesus starts in Matthew, but it doesn't. It starts in Genesis 1.1 and goes all the way through the Bible. So there you go. What do you get out of this particular chapter? Let me know in the comments below. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reminder today of what it means to have a Savior who was innocent die in our place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day.